This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. I am Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassion and accountability, coming to you once again with Leading from the Front. And I have to do this little deadpan because I'm pretty excited today that we have this guest, Stephen Wright, the comedian, who would say it more like, uh, I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders. I walked into my apartment. Well, never mind. But Steve, I, I, I'm, so, I'm so excited about how, how did you get started in comedy, man? Yeah, man. Well, I, I, Gary, I think you've got the wrong Steve Wright. I get that oh. all the time. I honestly, wouldn't that be like an awesome gig? I mean, like if you could make a living by being a comedian by, oh, yeah. and not being funny, that's why oh. Steve Wright, the comedian, did. I mean, if you've ever heard him, I mean, you're like, it's it's incredible. I think he's hilarious. And oh, you're you're that other Steve. Oh, I can't yeah. believe I got this wrong. So you're the guy. At, uh, this is really exciting. This is funny. <laughs> Trans World <laughs> Business Advisors. What's funny about that? I, nothing. Oh, but, but I, I here here's my claim to fame. Okay. The other Steve. The other Steve Wright is like actually funny. Yes. What my claim to fame is is I have bad jokes. Yes. So if if I I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a bad I'm gonna give you a real quick bad joke. Okay. okay. Here it yes. is. What does Winnie the Pooh and John the Baptist have in common? Um, they both like honey. Wrong. They're uh, middle names. Uh, Winnie yeah. the Pooh and John the Baptist. I got it. That's, Come on, man. It took me a minute. I, See, anybody can tell uh, a great joke and get people to laugh, but if you can tell a bad joke and get people yeah. to laugh, that's that's a that's it's a all in how you tell the joke, right? So you know what? Let's. Let's uh, get into this uh, business of uh, a business brokerage, franchise consulting, franchise development. And I want to I want to introduce the real guest today, who is the CEO of your organization. And that would be Tina Wright, your wife. So I got to her through you. Good. Well, welcome, Tina. Thank you. Thank you for having us on your podcast today. So I'm I'm real excited to really hear. Let's let's get serious here and talk uh, about your business, which is really focused around business exit strategies, which is a pretty serious topic when you talk to business owners and they're looking at how do they move on, how do they uh, merge, sell. Maybe it's selling to a family member, selling to a buyer, uh, but whatever that exit strategy might be or a transition, it's got to be a tough thing to work through. And uh, and that's what your business is about. Is that right? Yeah, so we we like to use the analogy of a, of just ba- a basic airplane. So you know, young entrepreneurs they they've got to get the plane up off the ground. Most of them, or many of them, learn how to execute the you know manage the flight. 
But most entrepreneurs don't go into business thinking about selling their business or getting out of their business. And so here, here lies the problem. Now a business owner has had their business for 35, 40, 45 years. How in the world do I get the plane or my business back on the ground? How do I exit? And when you have not brought on the plane, you know, any of the landing gear, that can cause a problem. So typically that's when they bring Tina in, myself in, and we help walk them through that so that they can understand the valuation of their business and prepare their business for an exit strategy. So Tina, talk a little bit about how, how do you start that? How do you engage in a conversation with an owner that doesn't have landing gear? I mean, they really haven't considered that. Where do you start? Yeah. So one of the first things that we do and we, we get a call from a seller who's looking to possibly sell their business or just understand what that process looks like in the past. We've set up a time, you know, where we can go in and sit down and meet with them personally. We like to see their business. We, you know, we start the conversation with tell us your story, right? This is their baby. They worked hard no matter how many years it's taken them to build this business. So we want to hear where they started, what what maybe the idea to start this business. How did you get into it? Tell us a little bit about the the strengths and the weaknesses and what the good good times and the bad times, right? And it, it kind of breaks down the walls a little bit to let them get to know us. We get to share a little bit of our background and how we um, have been around small businesses most of our life. And, you know, it just starts breaking down the barriers. And so we start talking to them once we kind of break down the walls a little bit and let them tell us about their story. Then we start asking about, you know, some numbers. Well, tell us about your employees and tell us about, you know, how business has been recently. And as we began to just develop a relationship with them, then we're able to start asking some questions. We're going to know pretty quick into the conversation how much landing gear they put on the plane. (laughs) And so we're able to um, and walk them through that. And a lot of them aren't prepared. And so we have to walk them through just a step-by-step, this is what it looks like to put your business on the market to sell or prepare your business. If they're not ready yet, this is the steps that you need to take to prepare your business to sell. So before we uh, get into talking about how you build the landing gear in flight, let's talk about your story. How did you get involved in this business? Okay. So I grew up in a little small town in Tennessee and Steve grew up in Georgia. And uh, we actually, uh, just a little bit of our personal background, you know, we met in college. And as we got to know each other a little better, we realized that we had a lot of similarities growing up. And one of those similarities is growing up in a small business family. Uh, My mom, you know, owned a business, a, a florist business for 40 years um, and so I pretty much grew up in that business my whole life. My dad was uh, had real estate business. And because we were in such a small town, my mom's florist was on one street corner. My dad's real estate business was just right up the road. So I was back and forth between the two businesses. And, you know, in hindsight, just got to see a lot of the positive things that I got to take away from growing up around that industry and helping in those uh, just in the business Uh, And I also lived in it at home. So I got to see just because you walk out the door of your business, it still carries home. Right. So there's things to be done at home and always on their mind constantly as a business owner. And so, you know, for us, we were able to we've got you know just a variety of different things that we've been involved in. We have actually been married for 31 years. And so we have been involved in some different types of businesses Um, I have a a residential real estate background. We've also owned like a publishing company where we've had several employees and we've ran youth camps. So we've had 50 to 60, you know, employees uh, running those camps for us. 
and uh, just some different uh, church-related ministries that we've been involved in. And so we've had an opportunity to really grow in those areas. And so kind of for the second half of our life, we've looked at purchasing a business. And so we started looking for businesses to say, you know, what would we like to do together Um, because we've always worked independently. And so we started looking for businesses and we love the Raleigh area. And so we started looking in this area and and honestly, we just kind of found a void uh, of the business brokerage. We were understanding what even a business broker was because before we started looking, you know, for a business, we, you know, didn't understand what that was. And so we we um, saw the void and we jumped into the business brokerage and love it. And are bringing all of our strengths from what we've learned from our previous businesses um, to this. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, working with business owners is uh, it's in your DNA. Both yeah. your parents were owners and you yeah. got to see uh, how they dealt with it. Uh, I'm sure how they struggled with it at times and some of those successes. Uh, Steve, how about you? What did, uh, what, Talk a little bit about your background and how you decided to uh, get into this business with your spouse, because we're going <laughs> to open up the door a little bit here and talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of that sometimes, because working with family is difficult. I work with my brother. It's sometimes it's awesome and sometimes a challenge. So what, what where do you come from? Yeah. So as Tina mentioned, I, I grew up in North Georgia and uh, my dad was Probably when I was in high school, he made the the leap from being an employee. So he made the leap from, you know, not being a a business owner to being a business owner. And uh, during the 70s and 80s, he was in insurance business. That's why he the business he began. And so, like Tina mentioned, you know, I was around that, saw that. And quite honestly, you know, when I when I got out of college, I really didn't know, you know, what I wanted to do. So I went to work for my dad and I actually worked, you know, as a, in a little small church as a part-time youth pastor. So I got to work with young kids, which I really enjoyed doing. Obviously, Gary, you, you know how this works in church world. You don't really get paid a lot to do that. So you need to kind of have something substantial, you know, so that you can kind of keep your passion or hobby going on the side. And so Tina and I've always been entrepreneurial. We've always had, you know, businesses and things that we've worked on together. And quite honestly, you know, the business brokerage uh, world has made sense for Tina and I because at the the underlying premise or the foundation of what we do is we we help people. And so if you think about it for a moment, a business owner is is ready to sell their business. And, you know, if you're getting getting ready to sell your house, um, right? You, you put a for sale sign up in the front yard and you put it all over social media. You want everybody to know. But if you get ready to sell a business, you can't do that. You can't put a sign up on your front door of your business saying my business is for sale. And so Especially I, if you have some employees and freak them out a little bit. Yeah, right? yeah you're <laughs> able to meet your customers. Your I mean, vendors. Your a lot vendors of, yeah. you know, oh, all those too. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So but so, you know, we really get to help. And, and Tina and I, I mean, we love, Gary, look, what we get to do every day is exciting because think about this for a moment. Either we're working with a young entrepreneur that's wanting to buy a business. So you're meeting somebody that's a young man, a young woman, a, a couple that is filled with passion, energy, the dreams of tomorrow, Right. So that's one subset of people that we work with every day. And then the other group that we work with are proven like these are people who have have done it right. They're the backbone of America. 
And so we get to work with, you know, wonderful people. We learn from them uh, every day. And so uh, it, it really, we have a great job. We have a great business and we love working with the people that we serve. So if there was one thing that going into this together, there's one thing that you could do differently. Is there anything that you would look back on the last year or five years or whatever and say, you know, if I could have done this, this thing differently in running this business, this is what I would have done. Is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah, you know, I, there's probably a lot of things on my end because I'm lacking in a lot of skill sets. <laughs> so there's there's a there's a lot of room for improvement on my end. But the, the, the benefit that Tina and I have in this is that we bring sets of skills, you know, skill sets together because we're married. And so, you know, as long as I'm not running in her lane and she's not running in my lane, you know, we're, we're able to be really effective. And so I don't know how you can collectively go back in time. And and but you mentioned this earlier, and I think it's really wise. Like we feel like all of the things that we've done up to our point to our lives till we, you know, launched out in this business really uniquely prepared us mm-hmm. for this, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I agree. You know, in some of the yeah. businesses I look back and look at just the experiences I've been able to have in different uh, jobs and then different businesses that we've owned and where that brings us to today. So if we're sitting down talking to a business owner and they're sharing a story, probably because of the different industries we've actually been involved, we've been, we can relate to some degree. And so we've been there. I know about having to start QuickBooks. I know how, you know, having your first employee, the checklist you have to go through and, and all of those things, starting a business and how scary it is but also the excitement of the risk that you're taking to build a business. And so there's a lot of times, I mean, Steve and I've started businesses when we didn't have a whole lot of money sitting in the, you know, in the bank and we just jumped out and leap of faith and saying, let's try it. Let's just give it a try and see what happens. And, and it ended up being very successful. I can remember starting one business and we literally were taking down the crib in our, in our baby's room and putting up a table and putting a, computer on the table and that's where one of our businesses started and so we laugh about that you know and but that generally is where a, a very successful business started and, and went on for 10-15 years and so um, well, wait, wait, did you get rid of the baby or did you keep the baby well, we the baby to another room to share with his brother <laughs> okay, so. all right, all right. Fortunately, fortunately they, they grew up and moved out Gary oh yeah. good it all took right. a while but we finally Eventually, convinced them. yeah we, it just we, takes time it. right you just that's take right. time and you hope That's right. And, you know, I think one of the things you mentioned a minute ago about how we work together as a couple Mm. and and Steve mentioned our strengths and, um, you know, I am definitely kind of the the systems, the process, paperwork. I love making spreadsheets and and doing to-do lists and checklists. And so even as a young mom, when I did stay home and wasn't working, I was working inside the home. But even with my young children, my DNA and the way I am just wired is I always had a checklist to go by. And there was no greater satisfaction than checking off that list and, you know, checking items off that list. And that's carried into my business world. And so, you know, that's just part of what I do. And I think a weakness of mine would be just being so focused on getting this form correct or getting this process set up so correctly. I, I, I have a hard time sometimes 
prioritizing and going, okay, what's going to make me money tomorrow, you know, versus getting this form ready. And, and I'm guilty of staying up late at night working on if I can't get something accomplished, I'll just keep working until I get it accomplished. And, you know, I always joke and say, if I didn't have a life or wasn't married, I'd probably be a more of a workaholic than I already am. And so just because I'd work nonstop and, you know, and Steve has to balance that out because he's like, shut the computer off, get off, you know, it's time to stop. And so, and then he's more of a big picture kind of guy and he helps kind of set those goals and, and looks ahead versus where I'm just very focused on the here and the now and let me get through today. So I think we complement each other in that area. He's very gifted in the marketing um, aspect and, and, you know, social media and helping our business grow in that round where I am more um, just the contracts and the negotiations and dealing with people. And All of the stuff that like really matters, Gary, Tina does those. And then I come along and do other stuff. Whatever you can fill in. So, you know, it's funny because <laughs> I we, we have a simple model of teams and teams are built on three things. Teams are built first on trust. And there's a lot of factors of trust, uh, clarity of roles, uh, definitions of uh, uh, how we communicate, process all that. Uh Common goal. You don't have a, if you don't have a common goal, you don't have a team. Uh, a lot of sales teams that I work with, they say they've all. I've had a sales team. I said, no, you have a sales group because they all have individual goals. Mm-hmm. So uh, team has common goal. And the third thing is complementary competencies, mm-hmm. and that's the, really what you're focusing on as as uh, uh, a team running this business is the complement of these competencies. Because without that, if you're doing the same thing, you got the same strengths, then one of you is not needed. Right. right. And, and I think the other part of the trust is being able to respect what each person brings to the party. You know, I really see those mm-hmm. strengths. And when we talk about leadership in this, um, it, it really is being able to respect as a leader. And both of you are leading. You lead yourself first, then you lead each other, and then you lead your clients in being able to get things done. So um, when you have that common goal as a broker, you're trying to provide service, but it's a common goal with that client then of what they want to do with their business, grow it, sell it, merge it, whatever it might be. And as the expert, you help them do that. And you provide another level of competency. Right. Yeah. It all kind of comes, comes around. Yeah, I think that's true that in, in, you know, we've talked about some of the different leaderships that we've seen in some of the businesses that we um, have worked with and just kind of observing their leadership styles as we've gotten to know them. And, you know, I think you're right. And in, in one of the great things that we see in leadership um, for business owners is when they lead their people well and, and they also um, surround themselves with mentors and people in their lives um, that may be a weak area for them. And so they're open to being uh, mentored and coached and just getting counsel from those people around us. And specifically for our business, you know, those might be a CPA, a legal advice for an attorney that a business owner may have access to. And then just other people in the, in their industry that have been in the business longer that they can learn from. And I think that's a very important quality for a business owner. So talk a little bit about it. Like, let's compare and contrast. I used to okay. love those questions. In, uh, in, in, that's why I got out of liberal arts, so I didn't have to answer those sociology questions and compare <laughs> and contrast anymore. Went to engineering, where there's one answer, okay? There's one answer. But compare and contrast, if you will, in your experience, the differences between effective leaders that you can see. When, and, and you get a sense when you walk in the door, 
you get a sense with different leaders that this leader has their stuff together. Yeah. Whether their business, whether their business is successful or not, whether it's profitable or not, right. is something that you might dig into. But you can you can sense it, you can feel it, you can just you just know it. Yeah. What have your experiences been with that? And it, have you ever walked away from a business going? I'm not working with you guys. I just, uh... <laughs> you know, that's a great question, um, Gary. That you know, one of the owners that comes to mind for me is a, a gentleman that's been in business for over 40 years, and he owns a, a pool business. And you know, from the first time that we met with him, he just was a genuine, hardworking business owner who was a pleasure to be around. He was joyful and, and wildly successful. And wildly successful. You know, over the years, he has led a business through recession, you know, and and a lot of different economic ups and downs. And just, um, you know, one of the things that as we were kind of thinking through the, the, his style of leadership and what made him such a great leader um, is one that he was uh, loyal to his employees. And, you know, he kept his uh, employees because he valued them in during the recession. And so when it was very understandable, if you had to lay off your employees during that time, he made things happen in order to keep them so that they would be with him even when they came out of the recession. And so they, you know, found creative ways to keep them on and keep them busy. And, you know, one of the other things that we saw in him was um, his love and care. You know, he had employees that had worked with him 20 and 30 years um, and, and stayed with him. Well, you don't just keep employees around when you're not caring about them and not loving on them and making sure that they're, you know, you're taking care of them. Well, um, there was an example that he gave us of an employee that had a car wreck and, um, you know, he was out of work for quite some time. And, you know, there was even, it went even a step further because he got on some pain medicine and, you know, became a little bit of addicted and had to work through that as well. Well, he took care of his family and he kept him on payroll to help his family through that time. And so, you know, things like that just don't you you build a relationship with your employees and they're like family to you and you take care of them. So we think that's a great leadership and not only for his employees, but also his customer service. You know, if he has a customer call and is not pleased with his work, he is the one that goes out to that job and makes sure that it's corrected or, or things are made right with that customer. So he's always made that a priority. So before you go any any further, I want to jump in here and and ask a question about this, because you say he's loyal to his employees and he does all these things. So when you do these, these acts of kindness, these, this act of love, and I I love talking, I love talking about love and business because a lot of people don't love talking about it, but that the fact is, is that that's, that's at the core of it. What is the impact not on the person that received it, but all the rest of the employees Oh, they want to be, they want to stay with him, right? They want to remain there and they love coming to work. Um, You know, they love being around him because he is, um, you know, just a joy filled person. And, you know, and if you think about an industry where, you know, retention is not the norm, he's having, he's having employees stay with him 25, 30, 35 years. So that's, well, you, you, you use the word love, you know, the love and care of his employees. And I want to I want to make this statement because I think it's important because love is not an emotion. Uh, it, it is an emotion, but it's also an action. And what he showed was in action, his love for his employees, which creates then 
their love for him and love for the business. And they want to stick around with people that they have a sense of belonging, which is the most important thing that we want as humans. So, yeah, I mean, what kind of, you know, what kind of boss do you want? Do you want the boss that treats you like a pawn or do you want the person who brings value to you? And when you're down on your luck, I mean, this, the example Tina gave, the guy couldn't even contribute to the bottom line, right? So he's out with a unrelated work uh, accident. Then he becomes addicted to the pain meds. So this could go on for months upon years. And here's this business owner, you know, showing love. Well, I think not only did it affect that one uh, employee's life, but don't you know that all the other employees were also watching that as well? So I think I think it just as a as a unit as a um, as a business it affected everybody. Yeah, he's a great example of what Jeff Hazlett talks about in his book, The Hero Factor, and uh, what they're committed to in developing great organizations. The, the this podcast actually is on the C Suite Network, which I'm part of, and Jeff Hazlett's the CEO of the C Suite Network, and he's he is engaging many, many business owners to be committed to those very things, love and care of their employees, love and care of their business, uh, taking care of themselves. And uh, he calls it the hero factor. So wow. that's a great example of it. Just yeah. awesome. Yeah. So what about somebody on the other side? Let somebody, somebody that in our world of good and bad balances things out in justice. What about that bad boss that I always talk about? Yeah, so I think I think we can all go to that instantly. I, I I think of a I think of a guy that we met with, and uh, unfortunately, you know, you you know how the conversation goes. It, it typically starts with kind of this air of superiority of how awesome he is and how he, and so you know, whenever whenever you're working with a business owner and he that you've never met and he starts calling his employees a bunch of idiots. And uh, you can tell that there's a lot of personal insecurity. And then, you know, someone who's not because, you know, because if he's the one reigning from on high with great intelligence and, you know, the, you know, all all knowledge, then why in the world would he value the contribution of others? So what happens in that type of environment, we call this the, the leadership ethos of a business. Mm-hmm. So every what you are talking about, the taste, the touch, the feel, we call that the ethos, the environment, right? The culture. And so what happens when you do all of those things, that that industry or that job or that business becomes void of joy. It becomes vo- it, and it becomes basically a, a toxic environment. Because basically what happens, you have a boss that comes to work every day and he's trying to catch somebody doing something wrong. So he can scream or yell, you know, at him. And uh, Tina and I were last night, we were watching uh, the great show called The Deadliest Catch, you know, the, the crab fish. Yeah. Yep. And so this dad, the, the crab boat uh, owner, the guy who runs this multi, multi, multi million dollar, you know, he's typically the, the captain of the ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were talking about they were confronting they had they had to have like a, an intervention uh, with all of the his family and the employees. And he was asking, why can't you guys come to me with, you know, with all of these issues? Well, then they took clips from the show where he's yelling at them, screaming at them, you know, just berating them in front of, you know, and they're like, uh, that's why. <laughs> so, so you know but yeah, yeah you're right you can see it 
it's unfortunate that uh, we don't have those kinds of cameras and more leaders. It would uh, significantly upgrade the self-awareness of leadership. So, well, I really appreciate the uh, comparison of the two. And I, I think that uh, your analogy of trying to get the airplane off the ground and then back on the ground safely without crashing uh, is a great, it's a great analogy for people to think about. And they ought to consider getting in touch with you if there's uh, the desire to take a look at these kinds of transitions. Uh, so I'd like to end today by asking you uh, that, that famous question that you look for is if there was something you could write yourself and tell yourself 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, as a leader, as a person, whatever it would be. I know I always tell people for me, it would have been spending more time building relationships when I was in engineering in the army. And, you know, I didn't get it back then. Uh, so what, and I would have practiced my trumpet less. I would have upset fewer people. So if you could tell yourself something 20 years ago, what would it be? I think for me, um, because I tend to naturally be a background person, and um, but for me, I think being confident in my leadership and, and in making decisions, um, you know, being open and not afraid to ask for help. Right. Because I'm, a, I'm the type of person that I want to I just want to figure it out myself. And so not not being afraid to ask for help. I think for me, that would be the greatest thing I would tell myself and, and to believe in myself and being confident in that I can lead just because I enjoy that person doesn't mean I can't lead as well. Yeah, and I, I know you uh, were a basketball player and loved basketball. I, I was on the other end of the seesaw. I was a I was a wrestler. All right, ah, so yeah. I, I remember uh, as a late elementary aged wrestler, or maybe early in middle school, I was at a wrestling clinic led by a guy named Dr. John Raber, and Dr. John Raber said, "Listen, if you want to be a, a good wrestler," then you, you need to do one thing. You need to make sure that you, if you do not accomplish anything else in, in the wrestling match, you need to get the very first takedown. If you'll get the very first takedown, you're going to win 98% of the matches that you'll ever wrestle. Okay, well, that was really helpful to me. It helped me through high school. It helped me uh, through college as a collegiate wrestler. It helped me when I wrestled internationally in the Soviet Union. And so if I think and I, you know, compare that back to the business world, one of the one of the things I would say is I, I wish I would have really had this uh, seared in me earlier is how important character is. Mm. And unfortunately, um, I hired people many times on charisma and then I would hire people many times based on my own uh, false arrogance that I can develop them. And Tina would have a check in her spirit and maybe go, uh, you know, I don't know about this guy. And so because of that, over the course of 30 years, as Tina and I have had several businesses, I've been quick to hire people that I should have never hired. Yeah. And that sounds bad as a leader, but those, d- those decisions early on uh, were costly mistakes. So I just did a podcast with uh, David Nason talking about hiring the right people. And uh, we always say hire slow and fire fast. If there's a bad fit for your culture, you need to fire people quickly. So I'm going to, I'm going to say what you just said, or maybe that's a bad thing to, you know, to 
no, actually, it is absolutely the right thing, Steve, to do is to hire the right people. I'm going to listen take, to that podcast. Take the time yeah. to do it. There's two things that you said today that I wanted to point out in Good to Great by Jim Collins. Number one is the number one value of great leadership is humility. You know, so when you talk to these people, they're egotistical and they call their employees idiots and everything. It goes against that. It's humility. It's modesty. And then it's uh, first who, then what? We, If we're going to build a business, we want to hire the right people first, get them in the, on the bus, and then get them the right seats on the bus. And it's a great analogy that he uses to help us understand where to focus our time in this leadership process. Hire the right people. Take your time to do it. And, um, and, and, and. You know, I, I gotta say it, Steve. Listen to your wife, okay? I mean, uh, <laughs> you, you know, she. It sounds like it sounds like she could have uh, prevented you a little bit of pain here and there. I'm just gonna have to see. Yeah, I've got the scars yeah. to prove it. And maybe, maybe when this yeah. whole uh, stay-at-home thing is lifted because of the uh, coronavirus, and you and I get together, maybe that's some coaching that you could continue to provide for Tina and I. Because, you know, we're, we're only as good as the people that we surround ourselves with. And yeah. uh, obviously you're a pro at this. I mean, you coach guys and men and women like Tina and I, I mean, people from all over the nation, you know, they use your services because of this. And so uh, we would love to get some more coaching from you on, on this. Well, let's uh, let's make sure that we get that commercial uh, in here. Don't don't take that out. So <laughs> the last thing I want to mention is uh, this whole thing on ego and leadership, and then we'll wrap up. And that is what Tina said about learning to ask for help. Um, I I can tell you at this moment in time, I was just asked by the uh, editor of uh, Performance Magazine, uh, Jeffrey uh, uh, McGee, to write an article for his next uh, magazine on uh, on bad bosses. Cause that's my, you know, I get rid of bad bosses. And I'm like, yeah, I could do that. He says, so when's, when, how, you know, how much time do I have? And this was uh, yesterday. And he says, Oh, uh, take all the time you, you want, as long as you can get it done by Friday. Um, or it'll go into the next quarterly magazine. So I'm like, ah, oh, okay. So the first thing I did is I'm, I'm a very mediocre writer. And I, I, I started writing some ideas. I got a hold of my brother, John, who reads a lot. And I said, John, I need your help. Can you rewrite this? And he did within 24 hours. And then I turned it over to the real critic. That would be my wife, who is brilliant at this stuff because she'll just read it through it and she'll look at it. She'll go, this doesn't make sense. This sentence doesn't flow. There's no connection here. And I have to tell you, the whole process of that, of accepting the strengths of different people is very powerful and creates an outcome that is so much better than anything I could do. And there is that little inkling in me often that hurts. I was like, ah, yo, that, you know, uh, it's really not that bad, is it? You know, so the ego is still yeah. there. Our ability to be aware of that, overcome it, accept it, and just say, this is who I am. Well, humility allows it. I and mean, just love it. Just Humility love it. is the linchpin of a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about is, is built on. And, uh, you know, when, when you general, genuinely are humble and it's authentic and it's in your core, and fortunately, Tina and I, you know, we were raised by very humble uh, parents. But, you know, if you if you have that, uh, then you're able to allow, val- truly value the contribution of others. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Tina, you got any final words? You know, one of the things I was just thinking about what I learned and saw in my mom as 
a business owner, um, a couple of things was she truly loved getting up and going to work every day. She loved what she did. And I saw her serve others and serve her community in what she did. She did it with excellence. And so that caused repeat customers. And, and even when the big box stores started coming in with some of the smaller florists and squeezing the profit margins, you know, she people kept coming back to her. They wanted her to be a part of their special days you know, weddings and funerals and those kind of things. And so I think, you know, building those relationships and just seeing the joy in her life and what she did, life's too precious to be going to work with something that you are not enjoying. And it also causes you to want to serve other people when you're, when you love doing what you do. So I think that that would be uh, something that a takeaway that I have seen and seen in her life. And, and sounds like you've seen it in the light. You've described this a couple of times with some of the leaders that you've explained and uh, uh, joy and being joyful. If you don't feel some of that, then go find something else to do. That's right. That's right. And I think you made a great point earlier. I did want to mention this, that just because you may not have excellent business acumen and know numbers really well and be able to read spreadsheets and stuff, there's a lot more to owning a business and being a business leader. And the gentleman that we spoke about, the owner of this 40-year-old business, you know, he would be the first to say one thing that he did not do well. He didn't understand the financials part of it, but he did so many good things is what has kept his business open. And I think I think that's important to point out. You don't have to be a professional business owner in order to have a good business and be a successful leader in your business. Yeah. Well, uh, the real Steve Wright (laughs) and Tina Wright, I very much appreciate you taking the time today to, uh, to be part of my podcast. I am Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. And this is Leading from the Front, which we describe as leadership as a responsibility, not a position. Thank you. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com, S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S.com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit petercats.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.